Wow, good morning, Excite Church. How are you all? Come on, having a great day today. Well, wasn't that powerful? Wasn't that an incredible testimony, an amazing song? I love it right now, if you'd all just join me right now, because we're going to take this moment. I just want everybody here to close your eyes and just bow your heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, even as we sit, God, in the afterglow of that song, Lord, of the power of that testimony, Father, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work in people's hearts and minds right now. Lord, the people, Lord, who uh, need God, Lord, your touch, Lord, your word spoken into who they are, Father. Lord, knock on the door of their heart right now. Let them know that you are there for them, that you know their name. Lord, whisper in their ear. Let them know, Father God, of your great love for them, God, I pray right now. Before we move on right now, while everybody's got their eyes closed and their heads bowed, if here in this place today, if that touched your heart and you're like, man, I need to know that I am loved of God. I need to know. You know, I've been striving. I've been trying to earn my way. I've been trying to prove who it is that I am. There's been a fighting and a contention about it. But I need to know that, that I'm just loved regardless of who I am. I need to know that I am loved because he's a loving God, that he knows my name, that he's here for me. I'm going to pray over people right now who, who want to make this their response this morning. So if that's you, if you're sitting here today and you say, man, I need this. I need to know that he's real, that he knows me, that he has a plan for me. I want to open up my heart to him. I want to open up my life to him. Awesome. Good on you. Good on you. Come on, who else is there? Why don't you lift your hand up right now? Awesome. Thank you. Down the back there. Wonderful. It was awesome. Good on you, sir. Well done. Who else is there? I know that God's knocking on the door of people's hearts. Awesome. Good on you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Who else is there? Come on. You've got nothing to lose and you've got everything to gain. Good on you. Wonderful. Awesome over there. Brilliant. Brilliant. Who else is there? Take this moment right now. He's a God of incredible love. His love invading your heart and touching your life will change everything, will absolutely change everything. Everything else in the world grows strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace towards you. Come on, why don't you put your trust in Him right now? Is there anybody else who wants to join these ones? Just to lift their hand and say, yeah, that's me. I want His love. I want His presence. I want His goodness right now. Come on, that's awesome. That's awesome. Heavenly Father, God, even as these ones have indicated by lifting their hand, Lord, that they want to open their heart afresh to you. Lord, that your love would invade, that you would have your way. Lord, that you would speak your words, God. You would call them. Lord God, that they wouldn't be shaped and formed by the words that have been over them for all these years so far. But Lord, in a moment right now, their lives would be reshaped, God. Lord, by what it is that you say about them. You say that they are yours, God. You say that they are yours, God. You say that they are loved, God. You say they are accepted. You say, God, they are forgiven. You say, God, that they belong to you, that they're your son, that they're your daughter. Lord God, we declare this over their lives right now. Lord, invade with your love and your goodness, God. Let your Holy Spirit be upon them, Father. Lord, shape and mold them, God, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can we praise our God? Isn't our God a good God? I was just looking around the room for you, Chloe. I was on the way up here, and I'm praying, and I'm, I, I deliberately I followed Pastor Paul's amazing lead, and I forsook the rugby to turn my face towards Jesus. Now, for me, that's a big thing. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. I just have to hang on in faith that somewhere in the world, somebody is celebrating, regardless of what happened. I have no clue what happened. Don't tell me. You know, poke you in the eye. All right. But as I'm driving up here and I'm thinking, I'm saying, God, what is it you want me to speak? I don't want this, word, this room today to be filled with my words. I want this room to be filled with God's words. And, and sort of in a way, I sort of shy away from saying things about pastor's kids because they get sit in the front row and I was a pastor's kid and everybody comes along and they pick on you. It's like, yeah, here's an easy one. Let's prophesy over the pastor's kid. All right, but just I, I didn't know your story, Chloe. I didn't have a clue. I think we know you fairly well. 
And the way that you see yourself is completely different to the way that we see you. I didn't have a clue. I didn't know about any hearing loss. I didn't know about any of those difficulties. And the verse that came to me was, uh, was about how the children of Israel and the spies went into the promised land and they came back and they said, they see us as grasshoppers and we see ourselves as grasshoppers. Yeah. You know? And the fact that the way that we believe about ourselves and what we believe about our current situation, about our future, often determines the way that other people will look at us. But I want to tell you that there is a grace of God over your life, that there is a call of God over your life, that He has a plan for you. We're excited about where you are today and where you've been going. Don't you ever, ever, ever go back and live under those old words again. Okay, God has got brilliant things in store for you. In fact, we're really excited about you being in Wellington. I know that there's hearts breaking all over Kerry Kerry. All over Northland, I'm a Northland boy. Any Northland kid that goes away needs to come home in Jesus' name. Or at least they need to send 10 better people back. All right. But I know like five of our Whangarei, Arise Whangarei girls are in Wellington who just want to be there for you. You're going to have the best time. I know that you're going to be loved and you're going to be celebrated and, and there's going to be good things. So don't worry. Okay, God's got it covered. God. There's a, um, in fact, I'm going to start my timer right now because once I start talking, talking I don't like stopping. Right. It's like learning to ride the bike again every time. I think as a pastor who used to preach, you know, twice on a Sunday and on a Wednesday, and you're just living in that, in that zone, and there's always that expectation of God, what it is you're saying. But as, as I don't preach so often anymore, when I approach a Sunday that I am preaching, you feel the intensity of the spiritual conflict that's going on, of what it is that God wants to say about how, how every time God wants to say something, there's an enemy that rises up against that, all of that stuff that goes on. So I'm very, very aware of it. And it's why you should honor your pastors, why you should pray for your pastors, why you should uphold them because they're like the tip of the spear. All right. Now, now your part in, in, in being, you know, the strength of that spear and pushing ahead is powerful as well. But make sure you carry on praying for your pastors. So this week, as I was preparing, I just felt this intensity around the battle that's going on over marriages. And I just felt like God wanted me to speak in this morning uh, to men in this place about standing strong on behalf of your marriage. You don't have to live based on the pattern that was set by your generation before you or the generation before that. Or, or maybe if you look back, all you see is chaos and mayhem and turmoil that's gone on, but you don't have to put up for that. Because from this day forward, you can stand strong in Jesus' name. The verse that I had is, is a little bit of an obscure one. I love the book of Job. I, my, my favorite Bible character comes out of Job. His name is Elihu the Buzite. And I love him simply for his name. All right? yeah, he's, a, he's a brilliant character. All right? But in the book of Job, I think it's about Job chapter 32. Um, you've probably heard this verse before where Job says, I've made a covenant with mine eyes that I might not look upon a maid. Basically, what he's saying is, I'm determined to live my life right, and so I'm going to put my focus in the right place. Crazy thing is, a few verses later, he says, for surely what my eyes look at, my heart will follow. And I just want to say to the men here in this place right now, to every husband, to every father, to every leader in a household right now, set your eyes on the right things and your heart will follow. Don't get distracted by, I've, I've cut all sorts of stuff in my life. I've, I've been in a, we've been in a strenuous season. And so I, I wiped everything off my phone that wasn't necessary. No YouTube, no Facebook, no Instagram, no New Zealand Herald. No New Zealand rugby app, no super rugby app. <laughs> I just got rid of it all. Why? Because I chose that in this season, I needed to set my eyes and therefore my heart would follow onto the right things. That I wasn't going to waste and, 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 and frivol, be frivolous with my days, but I would focus on what was important. Yeah. That I've chosen in this season to make sure that I'm honoring my wife, 
that I'm being a great dad to my kids, that I'm leading well. And so I just want to speak into that area of marriages right now. I don't know who you are in this room, but you've been feeling like some distractions coming along. And it's not just moral distractions, but it's the busyness of life and the the weight of other things coming along. Well, set your eyes back on the right place and your heart will surely follow. Your heart will surely follow. If If you can't find time to pray in your day, get in the car, Put on that, that song that we just heard and drive around in your car so you're not going to get distracted. Speak in tongues and pray and just get your eyes back in the right place so your heart will surely follow. Whoever you are, stand strong. Stand strong. God is for you. God is with you. God is with you. In fact, I'm gonna, we'll come back to some other things. Yeah, come on. Let's praise God. Let's praise God. <laughs> Heavenly Father, as we come to the preaching of your word, we ask God that you would anoint my lips, God. Lord, that the words are spoken in this place wouldn't be my words, but they'd be your words. Lord, use me, Father. God, I pray that your words would be sharp and accurate, touching people's hearts, Lord, bringing healing and hope. God, you're a good God. Lord, we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 This is not just a Bible. This is not just words on a page. This is not just a, a written communication of language. The very power of this book is miraculous. It's life changing. It will move into a broken situation and it will bring healing. It will move into a dead situation and it will bring life. You can make sure that you're on the edge of your seat and ready for the Word of God this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints and the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Do we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? That we, the church, that we would no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried around by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, for whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth in the body and the edifying of itself in love. God knows every single individual. He's called every single one of you. Every man in this place, there is an adventure lying in front of you like nothing the world can ha- ever have on offer. Every lady in this place, there is a purpose and a plan and He has shaped you and He's made you beautiful according to His purpose. He knows every single one of you. He started off and He said for the the church to grow up, He gave prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. You know, He he gave all of these ones, these fivefold ministry so that they would equip the saints so the saints would do their job. Now, I love people. I love being involved in people's lives. And I work with a boss who, who now has to try and, and shape me and help me to become better at it. Because whenever I see a problem, I just want to jump in and help. I want to, I want to save the problem. If, you know, there's something going on. Partly because it makes me feel good too. What did you do today? Oh, I did this amazing thing. Look at what it did because I'm so amazing. And, 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 but in the revelation of this verse here, he's basically had to say, hey, as a pastor in the church, you need to make sure that you're not doing so much. I'm like what? (laughs) All right. Normally every other boss that I've ever had has said, you need to learn how to do more. But he said, no, as a pastor in the church, you need to learn how to do less. Because as a pastor, when you start jumping in and doing ministry, you're stealing jobs off the saints. The pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, these ones here, the fivefold ministry, are to equip the saints so they would know who they are. 
so that they would find their place, so that the incredible adventure and the, and, the, and the amazing things that God has in store for them are there for them to do. So next time that we see somebody who's broken down on the side of the road, I'm going to call you. Next time we know of somebody who, who is, is locked in prison and their kids aren't going to get Christmas presents, and so we're going to have an angel tree down the back. And it's the saint's privilege. It's the saint's role to make sure that they are involved in doing the ministry. Whenever I used to uh, preach this message and, and, and use this passage of Scripture, I used to always entitle the message, working with young people, I used to entitle it, I am, everybody say, I am, I am. a joint. Everybody say, a joint. I am a joint, and um, I think that maybe Northland's got a few too many joints going on around the place. And we, we need, I actually shared this in a church one day, and at the end, the pastor got up and said, uh, Aaron is joking. He's not endorsing the use of marijuana. All right, he's joking about it, okay? All right. But I am a joint because the body of Jesus Christ in Kerry Kerry. And what it is that Excite Church will be in the way that we will reach this town, in the way that we will reach this region, and we'll see New Zealand turn back up the right way again, is when every joint supplies what it should. We grow up to the full measure of Jesus. They come along at the moment. They look at church. Do they see the fullness of Jesus Christ? We certainly hope so. That's our prayer and that's our desire. But the Bible tells us that the world will look at the church and see the full glory and goodness of who Jesus Christ is when every joint supplies. So everybody say, I am a joint. I, am a joint. I thought I might change it today and instead I've said, I am a munchkin. Okay, basically, that we don't all need to be prophets. If we all turned up to church and we were all in the office of a prophet, this one would prophesy and then the other one would try and outdo him with his prophecy and, and, and that's all we'd get around doing. That we need to be more than just singular because we're the glorious body of Jesus Christ. That the world isn't changed just because one person steps up and does something amazing, but the world has changed because every joint supplies what it should. The thing that amazes me is the Bible is filled with so many stories of incredible things that were accomplished through people whose names are never mentioned, whose names are never even mentioned. I grew up uh, in a Christian home, grew up sitting on the front row of church. I grew up learning to worship by copying what it was that my mum said as she worshipped you know, next to me. Uh, I had the most amazing parents who are just brilliant role models and just honourable people, and I'm so incredibly thankful for it. And, and growing up that way, I, as, a, as a child, you know, saturated in a church environment, I had my part to play as well. Apparently, I can't remember it, but apparently I went to my grandma, who was also a good Christian lady, and I said to her, Nana, if there was an easy way and if there was a hard way, which way would you choose? And apparently she replied and said, well, I'd choose the easy way. To which I replied as a, as a, like a five-year-old child, well, you're going to hell then. You know, based on, you know, there's a broad way and there's a narrow way and many choose the broad way and few choose the narrow way. And in my immature childlike mind, <laughs> if you chose the easy way, you're going to hell, all right? And so I grew up being a minister, maybe not necessarily of grace, but more of judgment, all right? <laughs> But I, I, I grew up, you know, in, in a place where, where uh, even when I was small, I knew that my life was important and could have an impact. If you think that you are too small or too insignificant to have an impact, you've obviously never tried to go to sleep in a room with a mosquito. As tiny as that thing is, the tiniest little thing in the room can completely change the experience you have. Do not write yourself off. So I grew up as a, as a teenager 
uh, I also knew that, you know, God had a calling on my life. I, I can remember uh, once um, uh, there was this crazy time that happened in church and all of a sudden there was no musicians and singers around anymore. And so they grabbed whoever was willing, which happened to be me, gave me a microphone and said, you're the new worship leader. And I was so scared, I basically faced the other direction. I uh, want to look at the words on the screen rather than looking at the people. And one day we had this uh, amazing minister come along, a lady with an incredibly strong prophetic gift on her life. And I'm standing there worship leading and she's sitting in the front row and she's just eyeballing me. She's got those eyes of fire, you know. <laughs> And she's staring at me on the stage, and I'm like, ah. And in the worship time, I felt like the Holy Spirit give me like, you know, just a Holy Ghost song, some, something to sing out in the middle of worship. And as I'm looking out, and I'm like, okay, and I'm looking at her, looking at me, and I chickened out, and I handed the microphone back to the pastor, and I sat down. She got introduced. She gets up on the stage. She gets this great introduction. She sits, stands on the stage behind the pulpit. She looks down at me, and she says, scaredy cat. And I'm like, oh, man. And she says, God gave you a song to sing and you chickened out. You know, God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Well, I'm here. And, and she prophesied. She said, she said, stuff happened to you in your childhood when you were eight years old. I'm like, I can't even remember what it was, but I'm crying. <laughs> and, uh, and she says, God's, God's sent me a word this morning and I'm going to tell you who you are. And I'm like, yeah, what's it going to be? Pastor, prophet, evangelist, recording artist, <laughs> professional rapper. I don't think so so desperate in my heart to know who it is that I was. Yeah. And I'm like, going, yeah, come on. What's this? This, is, this, is it. this is the moment. And she points her finger at me and she says, this is what God says to you. You're mine. And I'm like, oh man. Oh man, I wanted a title. I wanted a, I wanted a job description. I wanted a name badge. God says, you're mine. And I think the message applies to whether you're a child, whether you're a young person, whether you feel like you're obscure and nobody notices who you are whether you've got so many mistakes in your catalog of events and stuff that have taken place that you've written yourself off, that the number one thing that you need to realize in life is God says, you're His. What should your identity be? I belong to Jesus. It doesn't matter whether they give me a title or a job description or they don't. I belong to Jesus. It doesn't matter if people stand and applaud when I do something or if everybody ignores what's going on. I belong to Jesus doesn't matter whether they uh, appreciate the things that I'm doing or I get unnecessarily criticized. I still belong to Jesus. And if we can resolve that in our hearts and minds, then through the highs of life we'll know I belong to Jesus. And through the lows of life we'll also know I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. You are a joint that belongs to Jesus. You might feel like you're a little munchkin. You know, you're not one of the big shakers and movers in life. But it doesn't matter because you belong to Jesus. Make sure that this is written in your heart and your life. I belong to Jesus. When the circumstances of life come against you and start to force you to consider, who am I and what's my life all about? That your answer, the automatic response of your heart should be, I belong to Jesus. Became a youth pastor and they finally gave me a job description and a title and an office. I drove a Christian car and even had a Christian number plate. Couldn't then do the fingers at people down the road, could you? <laughs> right? You're on your best behavior. I lived in a little Christian world being a Christian minister. I went from being a, uh, somebody putting their hand up saying, yeah, that's me, you know. <laughs> I went from being a youth pastor to becoming a senior pastor. And I tell you what, on the day that we were commissioned as senior pastors of a live church in Whangarei, it felt like life fitted like a glove that we were the right people in the right place at the right time and that everything we'd ever been to, God had brought us to a moment. We knew this was absolutely awesome. 
All right, and they give us a, a different office and a and no, same old car, all right, but the same Christian number plate on it. And, uh, and, and, and we got another um, title that we, well, well, one day I was sitting in the front of church and I felt God speak to me about the role that I was doing. And it took us on a journey where we took an existing church and I approached Pastor John Cameron, who's my boss uh, at Arise Church, and we said, we want to bring our ministry and we want to submit it to you. You know what that meant? It meant the removal of the job description. It meant that the title that I'd been known of was all of a sudden gone. It actually meant that the car went and the number plate went as well. And so many things that I could have identified myself with in life were no longer there. And how do I respond to that? Do I feel a grief or a sense of loss? Do I, do I start to, to think about myself in any less because I no longer have the same job description or title or name badge on the door? Or does my heart still say, I belong to Jesus? I belong to Jesus. When, I was, when we were in that transition period, one day I was sitting in the church office and things were changing. There was no longer a secretary answering the phones and stuff. And phone rang one day, and so I picked up the phone. On the other end, I say, hello, Aaron speaking. And then on the other end, uh, they're sobbing and just crying. I'm like, what's going on? Are you, are you there? Can I, can I help you? And she said, do I have to come in or can we do this here? I'm like, do what? She says, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I said, what's going on? She said, I, as a teenager, I used to go to church and stuff, and I saw people get prayed for and crazy things. People fell on the floor and shook and stuff and sort of freaked me out a bit. And, and, uh, and so I went away from church, and I've got involved in all sorts of bad stuff, but I know that I need Jesus. Can I give my heart to Jesus? Wow. And I'm like, going, it doesn't matter if I've got a job description. It doesn't matter what the title is on my door. I'm still a joint that supplies what it should. Okay? Whereas a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was uh, standing out in, in the church car park and I'm just talking to some visitors who are leaving. I see a car pull in and uh, I recognize the guy and uh, he goes, goes by a nickname, we'll call him Sharky. And, uh, and he hops out of the car and he walks towards me and I'm like, Sharky! And I walk over and give him a hug. And he's like, I don't even know you knew who I was. And I said, no, my dad told me about you. And, you know, he says so many good things about you. And he says, mate, can I come and talk? And I said, yeah, come on in. And, uh, and took him into the office and, uh, and he said, listen, a while ago I was under a whole lot of pressure and all sorts of bad stuff going on in my life and your dad did this thing to me where he touched me. And I'm like, okay, all right. And he says, and something came into my life and all of a sudden I had peace. He says, your dad's got a gift, eh? And I'm like, yeah, 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 he's got a gift. He goes, do you have the gift too? And I'm like, wow, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, 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 I belong to Jesus. And the church is mature and grows up as every joint supplies what it should. So I said, listen, I'm a different person to my dad, but I believe in the same Jesus that he believed in. And so, man, I want to pray with you right now. And sitting in the office, I led him to the Lord. He bawled his eyes out. I was able to pray for him. Uh, he got him to come along the church. We lined up my dad as somebody who knew to come and sit with him. My dad shifted from the front row to the back row to sit down with this new guy. Guy pulled, put his sunglasses on, pulled his hat down, and bawled his eyes out all service long. Never come back. <laughs> but now he volunteers. He's a part of the, the Arise team at church. He does property stuff. He just did over all the gardens. He's cleaning up. He's out helping people in the community. Because somebody provided the part that their joint should. Now, there is a part for you to play. How will Kerry Kerry be saved? How will it be transformed? It won't be transformed just because you get yourself a fancy new title, because you get a new job description. It'll, it'll be transformed as you start to do what it is that God's put it in your hand to do. I want to have a look. Yeah, come on. God deserves praise. <laughs> From the Bible, there was people who had no names. 
Sometimes what their effectiveness in, in, in the story of the Bible was because of the little something that they owned. Jesus is about to have his triumphal entry into, the, into Jerusalem. They're going to say, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us now, son of David. They're about to give glory to God. And so he says to his disciples, go in there, and over there there's a house, and outside there's tied a donkey. The only reason this guy ever gets mentioned in the Bible is because he owns a donkey. But he plays a pivotal role in the life and the story of Jesus Christ and what it is that God working out his plan because of the little he owned. Maybe the little you own, the thing that you have in your hand is what it is that God is going to use to have an incredible impact on people around you. You say, hey, it's only a donkey. I don't have much. I don't have a great gift like that. I don't have a lot of assets like that. But God can use the little that you have if you're willing to put yourself in that situation. What about the little lad who gave his lunch? He had his loaves and his fishes. And he came along and, you know, nobody else had food. The disciples come along and they say, they say, hey, is there anybody who's got any food? Can we have your little food? First of all, first thing is, no, it's my food. And then the second thing I would say would be, how's my food going to have an impact on a large crowd like this? But when we take the little, we have the, the, the kid doesn't even get his name in the Bible. There's no shout out at the end of the chapter. Thank you to Paul Whitehead for the donation of the fish and the loaves. He doesn't get a mention. It's just the lad who gave his fish and his loaves. Maybe for you, the incredible work that God wants to do in Kerry Kerry is about you taking the little that you have and putting it in God's hand. The church is mature and the church has an incredible impact when every single person supplies what it is that them as that joint should supply to the whole body. You go, well, listen, you're talking about people who had a little. I got nothing at all. There was a lame man who begged daily by the door of the temple. Jesus had walked past him multiple times. He'd been there since birth. He doesn't have anything to give, anything. He is bereft. He is empty. When you look at his life, there's just an absolute absence of anything that you could call an asset. There's nothing there. He's there because he has to beg of others. Peter and John come along and they say, silver and gold, have we none? But what we do have, we're willing to give you. Come on, they grab his hand and looks intently at them. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. You know what the guy now has? The guy has a testimony. It says, and with leaping and dancing and praising God, that he was healed in his body, which enabled him to leap. He was healed in his soul, which caused him to dance. And he was healed in his spirit, which let him praise God. That now he has a testimony and all the crowd who were gathered there, they know that this is the lame man from the gate beautiful. He's been there since birth. Now he has something. He may not have assets. He may not have bags filled with gold. He doesn't even have fishes or loaves and he doesn't have a donkey to lend to Jesus. But what he has is he has a testimony. And every single one of you has a story. And your story, when you're prepared to give it, when you're prepared to put out the word of your testimony, it comes with power in Jesus' name. It comes with power in Jesus' name. Maybe the only thing that you have is a disability. You go, oh, wow, look at that guy. He's got a great ability. But what about this guy here who's got a disability? Jesus comes into the house and the Pharisees are all there. And he says, is it legal for me to heal people on the Sabbath day? And they're like, no, it's not legal. And he says, well, <laughs> just to show you what I think about, here's an opportunity in a guy who's got dropsy or palsy. Okay, and on the Sabbath day, Jesus took his disability and used it as an opportunity. Man, how, how powerful is Chloe's story? Like when she sings, I go, that's amazing. But when she sings and then you find out that she was born deaf, I'm like, that's mind-blowing. That is absolutely mind-blowing. The fact that God can take our disability and God can use it for something amazing. 
Here's a challenging scripture for, for, for some people sitting in the room. This is from 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 30. And this is a story about Jehu comes running in, uh, riding into the city, and he's on a mission from God to clean up shop and to deal with the, you know, the problems and the brokenness in, in the last generation. And so uh, Jehu comes uh, flying into the city uh, on his chariot, and he looks up, and Jezebel is in the window, and she yells out, and she's saying, Who do you think you are, Jezebel, you upstart, you rebel? And Jezebel talks about the word of God. And then he looks up and says, who is there that can help? And there's a bunch of unnamed guys up there in the window with her. They're the eunuchs. Now, a eunuch is a eunuch because he has now lost the ability to recreate on his own. The ability to recreate. What it was that he was once gifted with has now gone. But in fact, their inability is God's opportunity to move. Jezebel is, is basically synonymous with seduction, with sexuality with immorality, and there are so many guys who are running around who are under the hand of that thing, that when God calls them to do something amazing, that they feel like they've got a hook that's in their life, and they can't move ahead, because they are stuck and they are bound by the, by the spiritual thing that's going on. Whereas where we, here we have an unnamed group of guys who are free from the, from the, uh, from the power of seduction. What if the eunuchs are going to go and they're going to throw Jezebel out the window, and she turns around and she puts on her pretty eyes for them, and she starts to try, they're like, impervious. Like, not a problem to me. And out she goes, out the window. That maybe for you, the, the thing that you've struggled with as an inability in your life is God's opportunity to do something amazing for you. You might be like these unnamed heroes of the Bible who brought freedom to their city, who brought freedom to their region, who brought freedom to their nation because they were willing to put their inability into God's hand. We're not really proud of our inabilities. What about people who have a record? Go, hey, yeah, God could probably use me, you know, if it wasn't for these things in my background. Jesus is hanging on a cross. There's a murderer and a thief. The thief says, would you remember me when you're in your kingdom? And Jesus' response is the most encouraging statement that I have ever heard in my life. And I hang on to every day of my life for myself and for my loved ones, that this day you will be with me in paradise. Man, there have been people who've been lost and people who've been messed up and people who've had all sorts of troubles and brokenness going on in their life. And I've been able to take the words that have spoken to this thief hanging on a cross and say, here's some words for, of hope for you. This day you'll be with him in paradise. God forgives, God releases, God says it doesn't matter what your record is or what the thing is that's holding you in the past. God has got good things in store for you. So if you're sitting here and you're saying, man, I'm, I'm not a leader, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not big, I'm not powerful, I'm not any of these things. But right now you can say, I belong to Jesus. And I know that like that thief, that sinner hanging on a cross, my sin is forgiven and I am set free. Don't let your record, don't let the problems of the past be the thing that holds you back. There is people in the Bible who, whose names aren't mentioned who just got ahead because they had an inspired idea. There are people in the Bible uh, who, who's, who's courage. They were just like, there's nothing here for us. There's some, some lepers sitting outside the gate. They say, well, there's nothing here for us. We stay here, we die. But if we can take a risk, if a risk is the only thing that I can give Jesus, at least I'm going to give it a go. And God moved in that opportunity because they were willing to risk it all. The Bible is, is quite clear. And I'm not sure who this pertains to here today, but the Bible is quite clear that there are no second-class citizens in the church of Jesus Christ. There are no second-class. There's no front-row people and back-row people. You're on the front row, come and sit in the front row. 
you know, fight Pastor Paul for it. All right, he's, he'll punch you in the head. No, he won't. He won't. He won't. <laughs> but you sure get as close to the front as you can. All right. Now, the church of Jesus Christ doesn't always get it right. We saw it in the Bible where there was things like people try and bring their children to Jesus and the disciples go, no, 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 sorry, second-class citizens. Second-class citizens, they don't get to be with Jesus. They, they get to go and be elsewhere. All right, Jesus says, no, 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 no. Suffer the little children to come to me. They're first-class citizens. They're first-class citizens. Disciples come to Jesus one day and say, we saw this other guy casting out demons in your name. Should we shut him up? Should we go put him in his place? He's a second-class citizen. He's not with us. He's one of them. Jesus says, no, no. There's nobody out there doing things in my name that you should treat like that. That guy's a first-class citizen. We had, a, we had a Syrophoenician woman, a woman of Canaan. She was a foreigner. She was an outsider. She, she didn't belong. And she comes and harasses the disciples so much and they can't shut her up. She breaks through their defensive layer and she gets to Jesus and says, Jesus, would you please heal my daughter? Disciples are like, oh, come on now. Jesus is about to shut up the second-class citizen. And Jesus is like, Jesus is like, what are you talking about? And he turns to the lady and he does just the most peculiar thing. He says to her, listen, the healing that you're after is the children's bread. It belongs with the children of Israel. And now she's like going, I, I, this wasn't the response that I'm expecting. But she chooses to respond with faith. And she says, but even the dogs get the crumbs under the table. And Jesus is like, I have never seen faith like this. I have never seen faith like this. He says, there's no second class citizens in the kingdom. There is no second class citizen. So I don't know what it is that you've been living under that has labeled you as second class, that you don't belong, whether it's the color of your skin, whether it's your family background, whether it's your track record or what's gone on. You are not a second class citizen. You are forgiven. You are set free. God has got a place for you in life. Come on, let's praise our God. John chapter 8, the Pharisees bring a lady to Jesus. She's been caught in adultery. This whole story talks about second-class citizenship. The craziness of the situation that they, adultery generally takes two people. That when they catch them in the very act, they only bring the lady. Why? Because men are first class and ladies are second class. Why do they even bring her to Jesus? They want judgment. Why? Because righteous people are first class and sinners are second class. But Jesus steps in the gap for her. He stands in between them. He brings a challenge to them and says, anybody who's perfect, they can cast a first stone. He writes in the sand. The Holy Spirit speaks into people's hearts and lives. And they're like, man, I, I can't be throwing stones at her. Jesus turns to the lady and says, where are your accusers gone? He says, go your way, number one, and sin no more. He takes every second class citizen, every person that the world would label, and he says, there is a purpose for you. There is a, there is, there is a way for you to go. There is something that I've got in store for you. Go your way and sin no more. And Jesus sin no more. It's not just a telling off, but it's an empowerment. You can walk free. You don't have to walk under the problem and the shame and the hassles and the habits and things that you've been held to. You can go and you can live this incredible adventure and you can do it with my grace and my power in your life. To every single person here, don't let anything, there we go. Don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything hold you back. Don't let any excuse, don't let any reason, don't let any label, don't let anything in your track record, don't let anything in your background stop you from being the joint of God that He called you to be, to providing the part that you can to have an impact on the world around. Heavenly Father, 
Lord, as we come, God, to this point right now, we pray, God, that you would speak, Lord, into hearts and lives. Lord, the same way that we heard Chloe testify, many things that she'd say about herself, God, but it's all resolved when we hear what you say about us, God. Lord, this morning, people have already lifted their hands and responded and said, yeah, I want Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want His, His name to be the title over my life. I want to know that I'm His, that I belong to Him. Lord God, I pray for every single individual who's sitting here in this place. God, we ask God that you would have your way. Lord, that you would speak word, Father. Lord God, that you would deposit your power. Lord, that you'd come and you'd do incredible things, Father, in their lives right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. One of the other things that I felt as I was driving up here today was I felt that there's people here who feel like the season of your life has, has, hasn't been fruitful. The season that you're going through hasn't been fruitful. I know what that's like. My, my wife uh, jumped off a roof onto a trampoline when she was 12, got catapulted and snapped her tailbone, had three major surgeries, cut her right open, pulled out her stomach, went into her spine, cemented it in place. So in the end, they said, we've done too much surgery, there's no hope. Um, three big surgeries in her teenage years, said, you'll learn to live a limited life, you'll never have kids, you're just going to have to learn to live with the pain. She went to church, she got prayed for, she felt the fire of God go straight through her, and she knew in a moment, I'm healed. She had three beautiful babies, we got a Molly as well, Paul, I love Molly, <laughs> all right. Uh, three beautiful babies, she bungee jumped, skydived, scuba dived, wakeboarded, ran the Kirikiri Half Marathon, which she says she's never doing again, even if she does get healed. You know, she lived this amazing, amazing full life. And then four years ago, the next vertebrae collapsed. And it's like, God, we've known your fruit, we've known your goodness, but we're in the middle of a tough season and our season doesn't appear to be fruitful anymore. Does that ring a bell with anybody? You know, you're going through a season where maybe you've known good things in the past, but you're like, man, in my season right now, I, I, just, I, I want to step again into a new fruitful season. Now, this can be into any area of your life. It can be about your business. It can be about your, what it is your call to minister, you know, as, as one of the saints, your place in the church. If that's you, then right now, just where you are, would you stand to your feet? Say, yeah, I want to step into a new, a new season of fruitfulness right now. Whatever it is that you've got going on in your life, Heavenly Father, Come on. Anybody else? Just stand up and say, yeah, that's us. Mighty God, we thank you for your goodness towards us, Lord. We thank you for your goodness towards us, God. Mighty Jesus, mighty Jesus, I pray, God, right now that you would set these ones up, Father. Lord, your word says that if we would humble ourselves, Lord, we would submit to you, Father God, that your hand would be upon us. Lord, that you would raise us up, that you would shift us, God. Lord, that the good things that happen in our life aren't just based on what it is we can do, but the goodness in our life, God, flows from what it is that you do. So I pray for your mighty hand to move over these lives right now, right now. This is what I felt God would say to you, that uh, you've been in a chapter, and that chapter of your life started with specific language. You know, you go to the book, the first chapter of the Bible, it starts off with, in the beginning. <laughs> All right, and that's the first language of the chapter. When it moves on to a new chapter, it doesn't go back and start with the same language. It doesn't say in the beginning again. Yeah. A new chapter, a new season in life starts with new language. Yeah. And this is what I feel God saying over your lives right now. Pick a new set of language. Pick a new set of language. Your old language might have been, I'm in pain, I'm hurt, I'm busted, I'm broken. But your new language says right now, I am healed, I am whole, I am healthy, I am well. Your old language might have said, I am broke, I am beat, I am empty. 
but your new language has to say, God is my provision. He is my cup. I will drink my full of Him. He is my overflow. My life is full. I am rich in Jesus' name. Your old language might have said shame, 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 shame. But your new language out of the end of the book of Zephaniah can say He's going to take those who are lame and those who are marked with shame and He's going to give them a new name and He's going to appoint them to fame and praise. We declare this over their lives right now in Jesus' name. Mighty God, we, we pray right now for every person who's standing. Lord, every person responding to You with faith, God, that they would have a brand new season. Holy Spirit, I pray that You would inspire them in the language of their lives, God, that life would be in their mouth, Father. Lord, that blessing would be in their mouth, Father. Lord, I pray that You would remind them, God, Lord, not to speak the same old way and live with the same old results, but Lord, to declare Your promises over their lives, God. Lord God, we pray for this together right now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand.